to Nats Talk on the Go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our supporters club, Nats Talk on the Go, Special Ops. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Hey, Craig, uh, we're going to welcome our listeners here to episode 125 of Nats Talk on the Go. Yes, and we have a name for it. Yeah, Beth just sent it. You pronounce it, Go. Uh, I have to find it now. I don't have, I'm not even It's quick, 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 Yeah, tenial. If, if someone could uh, send it to us uh, phonetically, I'm looking Quasquicentennial. Quasquicentennial, that is definitely it. I like that. Yeah, I like that. So, uh, Welcome to the Quasquicentennial episode of Nat's Talk on the Go. Stay with us, because in an hour... After a couple more drinks, I'm going to try and say Quasquicentennial again. <laughs> and it's going to be worth your while. Um, yeah, so it's I, if you've been listening since episode one, um, just kindly let us know why. <laughs> that would be great. And there Thank was your you. Sports There's night. the sports. And there was reference. your sports net reference. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so the first thing I, I obviously want to talk about, the pure devastation of Monday nights. Um, I don't even know what I want to call it. I want to feel like the, it's just the, the moment that you've been waiting for for like three days and then just doesn't happen. What, how can I, the Strasburg and Kershaw. You're, you're looking for a word? I'm, I'm looking for a, term, a metaphor. A, meta, a metaphor indeed is what I'm okay. looking for. I don't know. Um, oh, wow. I was just about to get political, but I'm going to avoid yeah, that. Let's not do that right now. <laughs> okay. Let me try and think of one. Uh, all of mine are sexual. Uh, yeah, well, my, that's uh, that's kind of the way I was going. I just couldn't think of what the just super blue balls. Yeah, thank you. That blue balls is exactly the one that I was looking for. Uh, anyway, we're just going down the path early. So Strasburg and Kershaw were supposed to face each other. Uh, those of us who are MLB TV capable are going to be able to listen to Vin Scully call that game. Vin Scully, <clears throat> excuse me, who came into the uh, broadcast booth with a sore throat just to be able to see Strasburg and Kershaw face each other. And then at literally in the last hour, Strasburg was scratched from the start. Yeah, how cool is that? Uh, Vin Scully, who's literally been calling games for 185 years. Yes, literally. Yeah. <laughs> literally only came to work because he wanted to call that game. The uh, That's the only reason. Yeah, the pitching matchup. Was that exciting that Vince Gully, who's who I think is in his 67th year calling yeah. Dodgers baseball in, in, in the literal way, uh, decided that even though he was an 87 year old sick guy, he wanted to come in. I mean, come on, that's you don't get to you never get to see that kind of thing, and um, it kind of just amplified what everybody else was so excited about seeing between two of the you know the best pitcher in baseball and one of the top five or six best pitchers in baseball face off against each other with Vin Scully calling the game and to, to not have that happen was just And it was it was a national broadcast and of course I am sure many people from MLD TV uh, and many MLB TV subscribers were planning on tuning in for that game for the Vin Scully broadcast. Oh yeah. I mean so God. it's those did not happen. Vin Scully with his cold still showed up and had some quotes where he was pretty darn upset about it. Yeah. I I missed the his quotes at the beginning of the game. I was watching it, but I, I I didn't have the volume on at the time. But I was following on Twitter. He had some great quotes. It just felt like he was digging it. Like, just digs against... I, I don't think against anybody necessarily, but just like on Strasbourg. He's like, just I, unfortunate. Just yeah. like, man, I came in here for this. What you, yeah. <laughs> come on. So yeah. I uh, it was too bad. It was really disappointing uh, to, to miss. I was really, I don't, can you think of another pitching matchup that you've ever been more excited about recently? Like, not a game where you're excited to see a pitcher, but a matchup between two pitchers. Um, nothing's jumping out off yeah. the top of my head. Uh, I'm sure there's been some big-time playoff ones that have been fun. Yeah. Yeah, I oh, think I, the... I, I mean just in the Nats, for the Nats in general. Oh, for the Nats, yeah. no. Yeah, I, just, no, I can't imagine not. a situation. I know that there was a situation where... I feel like uh, Scherzer or it might have been like Scherzer and Granky last year or something. It was it was it was something like that last year, and I was like, well, that's good. Yeah. But I don't know. It's Strasburg who is kind of taking off in his career at this point, and 
Kershaw, who's still the best pitcher in baseball, facing yes. it. Oh, God, it just would have been great. But, yeah, it was unfortunate, uh, un- but sadly he had a shoulder blade back, is upper that what, back strain. Is that what they ended up saying? I, I actually don't remember what that was, to be honest. Yeah, I don't remember what the exact diagnosis was, but he was uncomfortable. He had trouble getting loose. It started the day before. Uh, they worked on him all day, but it never loosened up. And it doesn't appear that it's going to be a problem going forward. He's expected to make his next start, uh, which I believe was on six days rest based on days off and travel and all that kind of stuff. So my so hopefully, question for you is, how soon does he hit the disabled list? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's going to make his next start. Yeah, Whether he's going to be super effective or not is, I guess, remains to be seen. But Yuzmir Petit had a great appearance. He did his job. He did better than anybody could possibly have imagined he would do, honestly. And of course, immediate, right off the bat, you saw Miss Iowa references. Yeah, well, that has to be the the first thing that comes to mind when when you think of Strasburg missing a start, being scratched at the last minute, Miguel Bautista coming in and pitching incredibly well. And honestly, Petit pitched better. I mean, Petit Petit pitched incredibly well, and uh, he uh, got a hit. Yeah, and he, and he got a hit. He's, off of Kershaw. He's been the exa- He got the first hit off of Kershaw. He broke yes. the no-hitter. Um, and I think that when the Nationals signed Petit, obviously, in the offseason, this is exactly what they were hoping they were getting from Petit, honestly. Like, w- he could not be filling that role any better. Yeah, he was, he was great. He did his job. And the Nationals have had a little trouble in this series against the Dodgers. I don't know if fatigue has become a factor, but they're really having issues getting their base runners around. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say one more thing about Batiste. The Nationals signed him for $3 million for this year. So yeah, that's pretty good. That's 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 all right. But Petit and Murphy on steals. Yeah, really good deals, Mike Rizzo. Steal deals. Um, but you have to imagine at this point, they left D.C. after playing a long game on whatever night that was that they ended up leaving D.C., Thursday night, Wednesday night, I guess, last week. It was a 4 o'clock game that didn't end until after 9 o'clock. They didn't get out there until two, out to San Diego until 2 o'clock in the morning the next day, uh, their time, so 5 o'clock in the morning time here, if I remember correctly. And then they had to go to bed and get up and play a game, a, a, a ten, essentially a 10-10 game, a 10-40 game, and a 10-10 game for them. Um, and they did incredibly well in San Diego early on in that series. But you have to imagine at this point that the fatigue has, is catching up. I mean, yeah, definitely running on adrenaline. I think for those first couple of games to start the series, but uh, losers of four straight. They actually in the Monday Night Kershaw game, I believe they had the same number of hits as the Dodgers. I think it was uh, Dodgers four runs, seven hits, Nats one run, seven hits. Yeah. So they're getting base runners on, and I know we will probably talk a little bit more about. Uh, Last night's game, where Roark gave up a three-run home run in the eighth uh, that lost it for the Nationals, but runners on base, once again, not coming around. And that's not really a, a predictive measure or anything like yeah. that. Uh, it's just... It's more... I mean, it's one of those things that's more about luck than anything. It's, right. it's a situational thing. The batting average with runners in scoring position is a pretty... Uh, like you said, it's not predictable. It's not a re- it's not a relevant stat as far as predicting what a team is going to do. But uh, the Nationals haven't had a lot of success at this point this year, actually having getting hits during that time. It's you know again not predictive against something doing wrong. It's just a whole lot of bad luck more than anything. Yeah, it's all cyclical. They uh, ran into some really good defenses too. Yeah, and those teams. Uh, Padres especially, not the best defense, but somehow against the Nationals. They had a good time. Very good defense. They they had a good time. Um, uh, On the National side, though, they've had their own share of really good defense during during the series. Uh, Danny Espinosa has been exactly what you expect Danny Espinosa to be defensively. Um, And even more than anyone expected offensively lately. Way more, especially recently. Um, But defensively, he's he's been very much there. Um, you have Ryan Zimmerman, who's a, currently a vacuum cleaner at first base. He's kind of taking over what the Nationals have not had since, you know, well, taking over for Adam LaRoche's legacy of being a vacuum cleaner over there for the most part. And you have to expect that from Zimmerman, who's always been good at the glove, was good at, at third base. And 
he has continued that over at first base. And even Daniel Murphy's made some nice plays. Yeah, uh, he the range a, isn't the range isn't necessarily there, but no, but he actually made a nice rangy-ish play uh, in in Tuesday night's game. So uh, he's been a he's he's been okay recently, and so you're getting good defense from both sides. Um, but the Nationals have yeah been hitting into a lot of bad luck, a lot of uh, hard hit balls at people, uh, which has kind of been their thing all year. They've been they've had a I haven't seen a Mark Simon update in a long time, but the hard hit ball rate for the Nationals early in the year was extraordinarily high. Just There's like, been some very hard hit balls. Yeah. They've been hitting the ball on the screws. Yeah. Uh, including with guys that uh, you would expect to, like Jason Wirth, uh, he, who's really doing well. But uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I don't know if we got a question about it or not, but uh, Wilson Ramos finally getting moved up in the lineup. Um, he's hitting fifth tonight uh, on Wednesday night. Got a bumped ahead of Ryan Zimmerman. You you had to know that was coming. It, I guess does it surprise you didn't come sooner? Uh, I'm not that surprised it didn't come sooner because the Nationals have been playing winning baseball. Exactly. So I think that's the thing. It, it doesn't surprise me that it didn't come sooner. I wouldn't be mad if it did. But also the Nationals had won like eight out of ten games. So why change it? Exactly. It, it's a very wide change at situation. Now they lost. It's the four. same as same argument as Trey Turner, Danny Espinosa. Yes, exactly, exactly. And now they now they've lost four in a row, and all of a sudden now now there's that willingness to say, okay, well it's not working, and and clearly Ryan Zimmerman hitting fifth is not working. It has not been working, and it hasn't worked teams, all year. Teams know it. Yeah, it hasn't worked all year, and so why are you going to pitch to Daniel Murphy and and when you can make Ryan Zimmerman strike out. <laughs> I mean, he's just been not good. He's had, he's made some, when he hits it, he's hitting it hard, uh, but he's not hitting it all that much. So yeah, He had a nice uh, rope to the wall the other night, but other than that, he's been just struggle, struggle, struggle. And I, I tweeted something about this. I, I tweeted about how when Ryan Zimmerman is pulling and is hitting it hard, uh, pulling to the left center field gap, it's a good sign for for me. And you tweeted and said I would prefer to see him go the opposite way. Why? Just because when Ryan Zimmerman has traditionally been locked in, he goes the other way. He's able to take that outside pitch. Right now, he is hitting the ball hard to pull, which means he's lost yeah just a fraction of a second on his eye and his uh, what is the what is the right word I'm looking for? Like his uh, reflex, his yeah. Not necessarily reaction. bad speed, reaction time. Yeah. Yes, reaction time. So he's lost a half a second there, uh, and he's not able to take that outside pitch and go with it. He's missing the outside pitch, and he's able to hit the fastball. He might be cheating on the fastball. I'm not sure. I haven't paid that close attention. But, yeah, I mean, Adam Dunn can pull the ball. You yeah. know? That's – that's when you said that, I, I've always felt that way about Ryan Zimmerman. When he's going, when he's hitting home runs or doubles the opposite way, you know things are going well for him, and that's been true in his whole career. You're definitely right about that. I I was kind of thinking the the hard pull contacts, kind of seeing you know seeing the ball the ball with hard pull contact. But I think there's really something to be said for the fact. And like I said, I I haven't been paying attention. I'll try and pay some attention to it tonight for as long as I end up watching. But. Um, May, you, there might be something to the fact that he's cheating on the fastball, and that's why he's hitting it hard, pulling it. Yeah. And he also crushed a home run in San Diego where he pulled it. Um, yes. Which is also not like him. Usually he's hitting home runs to center field, right center field, not pulling it down the left field line. So you do have to wonder if maybe he is cheating a little bit. That's a, it's yeah. a good point. I, it's something I haven't watched for, but I will start watching for to see. Either way, it's not good from Ryan Zimmer right now. Uh, he's probably been the only national this year who's not had a solid at least three-week stretch of really good offensive production. Which is he, which is even rarer for him because he's one of the streakiest hitters in baseball. Right. So And he, he hasn't had that good streak, whereas right now we're in the middle of a Danny Espinosa super hot streak yep. and a Wilson Ramos, I guess – we can say just good year. Yeah. Well, Wilson Ramos, uh, you know, is having fairly, irregardless of what happens for the rest of the year, Wilson Ramos has probably had the best year of his career. Yes. I mean, I don't think there's too much. If he stays healthy, I don't think there's any question that this will be the best year of Wilson Ramos's career. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely going that direction. But every other member of the team has had a stretch where they've been absolutely dominant. Yeah. 
and carry the lineup. Jason Worth's doing it right now. Danny Espinosa is doing it right now. Obviously, Daniel Murphy. Bryce Harper started the year on absolute fire. So uh, you're seeing Michael A. Taylor with some pop. Revere's gotten a little bit hitterish, more hitterish as of late once he's gotten warmed up. Yeah. So it's just not coming from Ryan Zimmerman, and it was only a matter of time before he was not hitting fifth. Uh, and now the Nationals have lost four games in a row. Yeah, make a little change, see what happens, see if that sparks a little something in either him or, you know, string together a couple more hits so that you're not leaving runners on base time and time and time and time again when the fifth hitter in your lineup is unable to bring them in. Yeah, when when you're, <clears throat> excuse me, at this point in the year and your your fifth hitter has been playing every game and is healthy and is hitting 226 with a 286 on base percentage, uh, oof. Yeah, I want to say that I saw ESPN Stats and Info tweet that in bases-loaded situations this season, Ryan Zimmerman is 0 for 9. Oh, yeah, it's bad. Something around there. Maybe someone can find that tweet for me, or I'll try and find it after the show if no one does. But it was it's, – it's not good. And you saw it start in that Cubs series when it was Ryan Zimmerman – or Bryce Harper walked for Ryan Zimmerman. Ryan Zimmerman strikes out. Rinse, repeat. Yeah, it, Ryan Zimmerman is the is the only negative win player in the National League at first base, and he is the worst player by Fangraphs wins a replacement at, at first base in the National League. I mean, you can't have that kind of completely non-existent production from first base. A, you you need you need something more than that. Um, the defense has been great, but uh, I I don't know what you do at this point. You just Got, you know, maybe you slide him down. You hope he gets a few more fastballs. You hope he can get his timing back and you figure it out. You're not going to not play him. You're not platooning him with Clint Robinson at this point. That would, he's not, he's Ryan Zimmerman. But do you think there's a point this year where that actually, not that we want to, do you think there's a point this year that actually gets considered? And if so, when? I don't think it gets considered. I don't think it gets considered at all. Dusty's a veterans guy. Ryan Zimmerman's a team leader, and right now he's got, I want to say, an 80, around an 85 uh, WRC+. Plus, yes, 85 which on is, the dot. Which is not awful. Yeah. Uh, it's not great, not what you want about a first baseman, but if he's not hitting in those uh, the two through six spots, it's definitely doable. It's not that much of an issue as long as the production's coming from elsewhere. So It's the same logic that you have to look at with, Dan, with Danny Espinosa type, you you know you don't want him hitting five. He's hitting six tonight. If he keeps on struggling, he'll continue to slide down. But, but they yeah they want his leadership on the field totally. in the dugout. He's worth more to the team just being there uh, right now, and that's important. And Dusty's that kind of guy. And the Nationals' record is a good record, and they're yeah at least five games up on the Mets, maybe give or take a half a win or something like yeah, that. I think they're four or five games up. At the moment, so uh, teams doing yes, well. Four. I don't. Yeah, no reason to really, you know, ring the the panic alarm. Yeah, I I agree with you entirely. I just didn't know if you had a if you had a a thought about doing it. It just that's not that's not going to happen. Moving Ryan Ryan Zimmerman not being in the starting lineup if he's healthy just is not going to happen. Um, Bam! There it is. Nailed it. Thank you, Beard. What? O for nine with bases loaded. Nice. Nice. You've, you're on point with your numbers today. Yes, I am. Proud of you. Thank you. Um, All that research I did paid off. I know it. I know I, it. I, I did no research. Makes it even cooler. So I want to talk about um, one non-Nationals-related thing since we just talked about the Nats, you know, several game lead over the over the Mets. Could the Mets? The Mets are having a ridiculous number of injuries this year. I mean, yes. it's absurd. Put it. Do you have any thoughts about the context with what the Nationals were dealing with with injuries last year with Ryan, Zim- Ryan Zimmerman and Denard Spann and those guys? Or is it just, you know, is each thing its own thing? It just, it feels like they are snake bit with all their injuries right now. I don't think there's any correlation, I think. No, of course not correlation, no. but just drawing a parallel to the kind of years that the teams are having, I guess. I could see that. Uh, I know they're having a lot of problems with some arms yeah. and pitching deep into... October and November will do that to you. Yeah, especially when you should be on innings limits. Yes. <clears throat> and when... <clears throat> that was a very nicely timed cough. Yeah, that was on purpose. I figured it was. 
Uh, and then you've got Noah Syndergaard, who came out of today's game with elbow discomfort. Yeah, I think which is the last thing you want to hear. Yeah. But he is a pitcher who throws a video better than video game style yeah. slider, which we, is unimaginable torque, and we we discussed it. We we, we talked about this very s- scenario on the podcast at the beginning of this very season. Yeah, when, so when he started throwing you, his slider like ninety six miles an hour or something. Yeah, you don't want to see it, but it or ninety ninety two or ninety three, and his sinker was ninety eight or ninety nine or something. It was, no, his slider was ninety. Was it? Oh, got it. Oh, and his sinker was a hundred. Maybe that's yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you don't want to see it, but we said before, pitchers, the amount of torque put on the arm from those kind of pitches is unimaginable so it's not that much of a surprise it's still sad it really sucks yeah exactly and that's the problem with uh the increase in velocities that you see across baseball you see pitchers blow out and i think it was just yesterday the mets announced that zach wheeler is either shutting down his rehab or taking a slight break from his rehab because he's having discomfort from his Tommy John recovery. Yeah, he's so, having issues with Tommy John recovery. And then Cespedes leaving with an, with a wrist and then David Wright having neck surgery. Right. Uh, the Mets have just had a lot of ridiculously huge injuries. And uh, it's it, I think it, it might have been Jeff Passan who tweeted about it. It might have been somebody else about the Zach Wheeler thing. It, it was He said basically... It just goes to show you that, you know, people talk about, yeah, you, you get have Tommy Johnny come back and everything's fine, but, like, these things are not guaranteed. You're taking a ligament out of another part of your body and replacing it and hoping it goes okay. Yeah. It's a big deal. It is a huge deal. Or a cadaver. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. That's a Actually, good... I uh, I just bought Jeff Passon's The Arm. Oh, nice. I haven't I haven't bought it yet. It was uh, last week, maybe a week and a half ago, one ninety nine on iTunes. Oh, dude, dude. Yeah. Give a dude a heads up. I'm pretty sure I did. I think you did, too, now that you mentioned yeah. that. I did yeah. buy it. Damn. Pretty sure I did. I just forgot. You did. Yeah, I did. I, my next read's going to be uh, Up, Up, and Away. I haven't read it yet. Oh, do you have a copy? I do not. Okay, you want to borrow mine? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Sorry, we're arranging things on the show here, but... No, I also... I. Since we're getting distracted, I really need to read The Only Rule Is It Has to Work as well. Oh, yeah, I really want to read that too. Yeah. Which is apparently just a book about management. So that yeah. sounds fun. Yeah, I really. That's the baseball prospectus. Yeah. Uh, effectively Wild's book, in case you don't know that book. But it's it's on topic, it's baseball, so it works out. Um, and the, the last thing I, I think I want to hit on before we start hitting some questions and, and, and whatnot. Um, the Nationals bullpen. We mentioned it last week. Uh, I know we got a question from Michelle about it last week, and we talked about it at some length. But I still wanted to bring it up. It, you know, Jonathan Jonathan Papelbon being out is a much bigger deal than people realized. I think. Right. I, I agree that it's a much bigger deal. Not necessarily that the Nationals are losing Jonathan Papelbon's performance, but that they're losing a member of the bullpen. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think that it's the the Jonathan Papelbon is has been pitching incredibly well and they're really missing his arm. That's not a true statement. Um, he's been pitching pretty poorly all year long. They're missing but, literally just his arm. Yes, they're missing just his arm and nothing else. Yeah. Um, but the Nationals now, the pitchers who have already been, you know, as we talked about, some of them have been a little overused, mm-hmm. and some of them are on limits, like Sean Kelly. Uh, even if they're soft limits, they're kind of artificial soft limits because of his two Tommy John surgeries. And now you have, uh, you kind of have voids all over the place um, that were created simply by Jonathan Papelbon not being in the bullpen. You have these, you know, Felipe Rivera, who's been, I, of course, it's like weeks after I talk about how Dust has done a great job, who's been, Rivera has been, ridiculously overused. Yes. Absurdly overused. He He's had an, as many appearances this year as a lot as a lot of actually bullpen relievers have during the course of an entire season. Yes. I mean, most, there there's no reason for any pitcher in this day and age to appear in half of the team's games. Yeah. And he has been on that pace. Through almost the first half of the season. Yes. I mean, through 70 plus games. Yeah. Yes. This isn't like 
he did it in three weeks. He's been pitching. He's a good pitcher, but has been used way too much, and he that's being shown. He's obviously and not necessarily in the best positions. Yeah, you could certainly make that argument. I think that the thing that's more that's much more concerning to me is just the the juice in general. At some point, guys. Need to yeah. Off. Well, what I mean what I mean by that is he's brought in when he's not needed. Yeah, that, he. He is your guy. You have to look at it, and this is one of the, again, the things that you look at what Davey Johnson did, A and B bullpen and all that. You look at a guy and say, you are our high leverage pitcher. You have two of them or three of them if you're lucky in your bullpen that are your high leverage relievers. The other guys are just arms that are kind of hoping they're going to get some guys out for the most part. But Felipe Rivera is one of your high leverage guys. Yes. To use him ever in a non-high leverage situation is maybe not ever. But it, to use him in a high-leverage situation, you better have a damn good reason. And that reason should be he hasn't pitched in four days. Like, yeah. Like, I can't imagine another way where, that's, where, you, where he should be getting up. Because not only has, he, has Rivera appeared in 35 games, that doesn't include the other times where he's warmed up to come yes. into a game but didn't. Yes. And that you, – you talk to, to relief pitchers, and there have been books and articles written about it all over the place – that is the hardest thing on an arm for a lot of pitchers to get warmed up and not come in and then get warmed up the next day like you never pitched the day before, but you did. Yes. You got ready to pitch. And so you're, you're, you, know, you warmed up your elbow, your shoulder, the whole, your, your whole body, and not to, you effectively pitched. Yes. Um, you just didn't throw those nine pitches or ten pitches you threw you during the You used bullets, game. yes. So, um, and then you have, you, really I think the, the bright spots, the two bright spots of the Nationals bullpen right now, Sean Kelly, obviously, who's been pitching incredibly well. Yes. And Sammy Solis. Yes, Sammy the Hammer Solis. It's so cool to watch because, you know, he, he obviously, Solis comes in as a top pro, top prospect for the Nationals, top pitching prospect in the organization for a while. I don't mean number one, but of, of the top tier of pitching prospects. It just was any time you looked at a report on Sammy Solis, he was on the disabled list or hurt. Every time. Just couldn't hold it together. And he's been able to do that for a little while now. And all of a sudden, Sammy Solis is pitching well, and he's been a, a really key part of the bullpen. Yeah, he absolutely has been. And you hit the nail on the head with Kelly. He's been better than I expected. Me too. Honestly. And I expected and then, him to be pretty freaking good. <laughs> yeah. And then there's Yuzmiro Petit. Petit has been pitching incredibly well. He he's pitched in tough situations. He came in and closed a game because Dusty Baker used the bullpen in a weird way, and yeah. he ended up closing a game. I mean, he's done well. Do not get me wrong. Um, it, he I would probably put him in the top half of performers on the team. Yeah, but his role is absolutely not a. I'm going to go in there and throw the eighth inning. His yes. role is oh crap. Be. He throws 88 miles an hour. He's Dan yeah. Heron. Yeah, his his role is oh crap. Starter only got through five. We need to get some innings. Yeah, or, oh, crap, starter got blown up in the third inning, and I've got to come in and pitch four. And he's really good at that. Really yeah, good. he's – so the bullpen has had their pieces. Blake Trinan's a mess. He's an absolute yeah. mess, and I think the only thing you have to do is send him down, but there's no one to send there's him down no for. no one there. Yeah. That, I was having a conversation with a coworker at work – uh, this week, talking about, we were kind of just talking about how Rivero just his arm needs a break. I don't care how it happens, whether it's a send down or a DL trip or just like four days off, his arm needs a break. Um, but with and then with Trinan being not very good right now at all in general, you, like you you want to say let's send him down, but there's no one there. Right? Who do you? you there's no one to bring up. Taylor Taylor Jordan just had a second Tommy John surgery. He's not an option. Um, there is just Matt Grace had a chance with the team and was terrible. Yeah. And you don't need another lefty. Um, I don't know. It's been there's not a whole lot of bullpen depth down there, which I think kind of solidified the, solidifies the fact that the Nationals are going to have to do something with the bullpen again this year. Yes, and Before they the should. They absolutely should. Yeah, they. I think it's a it's a fairly big need for them. It's and, and maybe their only big need for them. Yeah, and I think we got a question on that, so it might be a nice little uh, good transition. Good. 
Um, anything else on any of that stuff before we do hit some questions? Let's. Do I'm some. really excited for the next game after today to be at an eight ten start. I know. Th- I can't believe I'm so excited for a for a Central Time Zone start because this last week has been. It's been seven games. It's been brutal, man. It's been so long. That 10.40 was just stupid. 10.40 was annoying. That that should be against the rules, by the way. Yeah. There, you should not be able to start a baseball game after 10.10 Eastern time. Yeah. That's just... It, if there's an East Coast team involved. Like, okay, you want to start a game at 10.40 and it's against the Diamondbacks? Go for it. Whatever. Yeah, Diamondbacks, Rockies, go for yeah. it. Have fun. But come on. When you're playing an East Coast team to have a base, an, almost an 11 p.m. start... At least it was on a Friday, but still. I mean, yeah. I get that you want to have a later game, you want to have a crowd, but like, do do it against the Dodgers, man. Don't yeah. don't do it against. The it's East just Coast rude. Team. It's just mean. Just yeah. mean. Uh, yeah. I'm, no, I'm really excited. That's probably my only thought uh, tonight. I'm already like it's eight forty as we speak. Uh, on Wednesday night, and I'm already just like, oh my god! Yeah, we have an hour and a half. I know we're gonna first just pitch. like the last time. The last time we recorded a podcast was the first game of the Dodgers series, and I had the whole or the, of the Padres series, and I had the whole thing posted on the internet and in iTunes before the game even started. Yeah, <laughs> on the night that we recorded it. Yeah. So yeah, that's not that's not cool. You can't do that. You can't do that. Um, right. Yeah. So the first question we got actually was a question about. I don't know. It seemed to be making a joke about Wilson Ramos's kidnapping, so we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, that's that was in poor taste. Um, and then Sean says, "A cowboy rides into town on Friday. He leaves three days later on Friday. How did he do it?" The horse's name is Friday. There you go. Um, Beard asks, "How excited are you for the Magnus figurine on Monday?" Is that the dog thing? Yes. Yeah, I'm not going. I'm not either. But that's cool. Yeah. I love dogs and baseball. So and we have another question about dogs and baseball coming up oh from goodness. in a little while. So it's all Yeah, I saw there were not a lot of baseball questions. Yeah, that was that was unfortunately my problem, but we're gonna we're gonna try and baseball it a little bit. Okay. Um Feng says rougher spell on the West Coast. How much cachet, well done by the way, are you putting into the results? Um losing streaks happen. Yeah. And so and even more magnified by the fact when you travel, you get on a plane for five hours on no sleep and try to have to function during that time. So uh, I don't put too much stack into it, uh, only because it's an exhausted team traveling a long way after a really weird end to a homestand. Um, so not all that much. And also they're still commandingly at first place. Yeah, and the road trip still has four games left, so... <sighs> It's been it's not long, great. This, is the long, this has to be the longest road trip of the year, right? Yeah, what is it, 10 games total? It's going to be 10 games total, yeah. Yeah, it's probably tied with the longest, I would think. But yeah. the other ones are probably going to be like Mets, Phillies, and I don't know. Yeah. Well, you've also got sleep date. Like, you've also got days off, too, during like this during this time, which is different. So, I don't know. It's, yeah, so... Uh, it could still turn out to be a nice road trip. You never know. Brewers that's, are not very good. <laughs> that's the thing about baseball. Yes. It's hard to not be romantic about it. Uh, Jennifer asks, how uh, excited are you for games to start before 10, 10 p.m.? Uh, very, very is my Super duper. Uh, do you want to find the limit of Sean's expression? No, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, it's, it's math and hard. Uh, it's Ryan Sullivan, like, the Nats GM, asks uh, a series of questions. Uh, what are you drinking, first of all? So we're going okay. to that question. I like that question. It's always one of my favorites. I've got Sierra Nevada from the Beer Camp series, uh, the West Latitude Session IPA. Nice. Session Rye. It's nice. <clears throat> nice. I'm, I'm having a Lagunitas Lucky 13. So oh, yeah. The, it's a red ale, and I love red ales, and it is very tasty. Well, there we go. <clears throat> uh what wrestler would you comp uh, natsgm.com to? And I would have to know something about wrestling to answer that question. Um, I'm going to go with, let's see. I have to think. I have, school. I have to think for a minute. Okay, fair enough. So talk for a minute. I don't have anything to say about the topic. 
Okay. No, I, I haven't lot, watched uh, wrestling since I was in about fourth grade. Fifth grade, maybe. Fifth grade, Let's probably. see. He's kind of tall. He is a tall dude. Um, he's not too tiny. He's not, like, super, like, wafy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. So I think I would go with Chris Jericho. Nice. Nice. I like a Chris Jericho reference. Yeah. And that's one I get, so that works out well. Yeah. Uh, and celebrity crushes in high school and today. I don't know. I feel like that's let's, – let's answer that question in the live stream. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I actually put some thought into that one. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Natfan 9 asks – I like this question a lot. Uh, Harper praised Williams a lot last year and talked about him like he was a second hitting coach. Do you worry a little that his inability to snap out of his prolonged slump could be related to not having Williams to look up to? No. I, I don't worry about that because uh, because Dusty Baker, <laughs> also pretty yeah. good at things. Um, but he, you're right, uh, Jonathan, he did talk a lot about how – Matt Williams had a huge impact, and I do think Matt Williams had a significant impact on Bryce Harper winning the MVP in 2015. Uh, but I, and I also think, and I've said this before on the show, that Matt Williams would be a really, really good hitting coach in Major League Baseball at some point pretty soon. He's just, I don't think he has the managerial quality at this point. But um, I'm not worried about it impacting him right now. Um, and... If he if he wanted to call Matt Williams, he could call him. I'm sure, even though he plays for a different he he bandaged for a different team. I feel like he'd take the reigning MVP's phone call. Yeah, uh, you never know what's really going on in a player's head, and it might play somewhat of a role. But I think by this point, Bryce Harper's now played under three different managers. I really don't think that is going to be something that is going to affect him too much. He's a veteran player by now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. He's definitely a veteran at this point, despite the fact that he's young. He's been in the league a long time. Uh, Jude asks, and Jude, thanks for buying an in-play run shirt, by the way, and tweeting it at us. Appreciate it. Uh, Will any national be traded this summer? If so, who and who might the Nats acquire? So here's the question we talked about earlier. Uh, I don't think the nationals are going to do too much to change, uh, to remove someone from the major league roster. I think anything that the nationals will do will be coming from the farm system. And those of you that have been following the minors with any, I guess, relative closeness recently, the Nationals have some really good prospects that have made some noise in their respective leagues' all-star games over the last couple days. Which is exactly what you want if you're looking to be trading somebody for maybe a relief pitcher, possibly. Exactly. So the Nationals have some great Position players, some decent pitchers. They've got they've got some nice, not quite major league ready depth. Yeah, that can be tapped. That won't eventually, hopefully, make the Nationals cry. Yeah, I mean, there haven't been many scenarios recently where um, the Nationals had to trade somebody like that, where you look back and go, man, like. Can't believe we don't have that guy anymore from from a prospect perspective. The closest thing that I can closest thing I could think of coming to that is Nate Carnes, probably, who's who's pitched really well everywhere he's been. Um, but again, that was a worthwhile tr- trade to make at the time. But uh, it's hard to imagine anybody. So I I agree that you're not going to be looking to move anybody necessarily off of the Nationals roster, um, but minor league movement, I think you're going to be looking at an an Austin Voth type pitcher possibly being moved. Yeah, Voth, Stevenson, something like that. Yeah, Drew Ward maybe. Like, Yeah, I think there's – I don't think Robles is going to be moved. No. Giolito, definitely not, obviously. Turner's not getting Trey moved. Trey Turner. Like, yeah, there are some, you know, some futures are not worth mortgaging, um, but there are some other guys that I think might get moved in those situations. Right, and you got to figure the Nationals' main piece is a bullpen piece, and there are those are the most easy to find. Totally, they're there kind of a dime a dozen pieces. There, which is why you don't have to give up too much for them. Yeah, Even, you never do. Like the 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 best reliever that's been dealt in the last I don't know ten years has been Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, and he didn't even get a king's ransom. Yeah, I mean it was it was a lot for a closer. 
but it was one of the best closers, you know, I'm not going to say ever. Yeah, but. but he's he's one of the best closers in this generation and probably the best closer since Mariano Rivera left baseball. Yeah. So, I mean, he's very, very good. So, anyway, that's something that will be able to do with uh, a couple lower-tier prospects as opposed to getting rid of those high-ticket items. Yeah. Which the Nationals have some very good ones. Yes, for sure. And they could move some of those high-ticket items for the right move, but I don't think they feel a need to do any of that right now. No. Uh, Max Jensen asks, thoughts on Taylor starting more than expected, and and what do you think of Ramos batting ahead of Zimmerman? Uh, I, we, we already talked about Ramos yep. ahead of Zimmerman. Uh, I honestly did not expect Michael A. Taylor to be getting as much playing time as he is. Uh, gotta say I'm okay with it. Yeah. He's been performing. Yeah. So he he that's, really struggled. That's pretty much it. He really struggled when Revere was not on the team. He was do- he, and, and it was kind of all on him. He really did not play all that well. But since Revere has come back, when he's gotten the opportunity to play, he's played very well. And he's got the, def- the defense in order to keep playing well. Um, I think that Taylor playing more is a product of Revere not playing well. And I think that if Revere starts to play better, I think the time is going to stay fairly well split because now Taylor is kind of won his way in for Baker. Uh, I, but I, I like the idea. We I feel like we talked about it in the offseason when Revere was acquired. I like the idea of uh, the idea of a platoon between the two of them. It's kind of the idea that you should have in the first place. And then, you know, the days where you give Worth a, a day off, you put Revere in left and Taylor in center, and then you've got a much better outfield than you do if you have Revere in center. Um, but I, I'm okay with Taylor playing more. Than yeah, I am as well. He's he's getting the job done. So. He's he's earned it, and he's very good defensively. So yes, he's he's definitely earned it. Um. Fang wants to know if we have a plan to balance the, the time zone issue of West Coast and East Coast baseball. I, I don't know what plan there would be. Just don't start it at 1040 Eastern. No, like do we have a plan with the way we approach it, I think is the question. Oh, oh. Um, I usually just try Or maybe not- it's the – maybe you're right. Maybe it's the other thing, but I'm thinking it that way. Okay. I just try not to drink too much before the game starts. Nice. Because then I get really tired. Fair enough. So, yeah. Uh, coffee. Nice. Oh God, I can't. Coffee. Oh. <laughs> well, if I have coffee no, after like coffee three... the next morning. <laughs> oh, got it. Next okay. morning, I just increase my caffeine intake when I try to wake up the next day. Wow. Yeah, that's the way. That that's my only. I got nothing else. Nice. Um, and See, beer... I'll just fall asleep on the couch. What's that? I'll just fall asleep on the couch. See, I won't. I can't do yeah. that. I'm. I don't. I don't sleep well. Uh, Beard asks a serious question. Uh, how concerned should we be about Geo? I'm about as concerned about him as I was at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm just back to there. I don't think, I think it's just, this is who he is. And I, this is, this is the Geo I expected. I yeah. mean, overall, his numbers are probably what I expected. The th- so Geo at the beginning of the year was great. He was one of the better – he was one of – because at the time, Scherzer was not pitching all that well. And he was probably the, the, the second, first or second best pitcher on the team for, through the first maybe three or four weeks, starting pitcher. But he's kind of regressed back to what you expect from Gio Gonzalez. And, uh, yeah, I, I, somebody asked a question. I don't know if it was to me on Twitter or to the account a while ago, and I'm just reminded of it, was – 2012 an anomaly for Geo, and I I don't think there's a question that it was. Yeah. Um, he when the Nationals signed Geo Gonzalez, he had not in his professional career had a walks per nine below four. This is he's a wild pitcher who used to throw with some velocity and has a pretty nasty curveball and nothing else, and he's always had trouble locating. And when he's not locating and he can't and he's walking guys to lead off innings and can't command a strike zone, which is how he is for most of his career, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really difficult. Uh, his strikeout rates is doing well. His walk rates actually dropped this year. Uh, but he's just not able to locate the pitches the way that he wants to, and he's not. Despite the fact that he's got a strikeout rate, he's got a bad up over 300, so maybe there's some lack of luck there. But if you watch him pitch, he's just not commanding the strike zone in any way. You, you're seeing... Jose Lobatone just reaching all the time when he's pitching to just total missed spots. 
So I think you know what you're going to get with Gio yeah, Gonzalez at this point. Yeah, he was better than I expected at the beginning of the year, and he's kind of he had four, five, or six stinkers in a row. So yeah. now he's kind of just his numbers have come back to where I expect them to be, and this is just who Gio is. I would expect him to be uh, a little bit better than he's been over the past month, but not necessarily the pitcher he was for the first month. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, so. Last two questions are from Fang. We'll start with the non-baseball one and end with the baseball one. Nice. So in honor of Jason Worth and the Magnus giveaway coming on Monday, share your favorite canine baseball story. I don't think I have one. I don't either. I, I, I was thinking about it when, when the question came in. I was like, do I have a favorite canine baseball story? Do you just have a favorite canine story? Um, I like having a dog. Yeah, me too. I'm a big fan of having a dog. He's I also pretty- enjoy a dog. He's chilling here with me during the podcast, and I'm rubbing his belly right now. Really? Um, that yeah. makes quiet. I know. Well, yeah, he's just chilling. Nice. Um, no, I just like having a dog. There's, I don't really have any crazy stories. He yeah. is just cute and does cool things because he's a little dog. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, and then finally with the baseball question, uh, is a spot starter on the caliber of Petit uh, based on recent history, a luxury or necessity for a baseball team? Uh, I think it's a luxury to have someone that is specifically a spot starter. I don't think that role really exists because you've seen the versatility in a Craig Stammen, who was the Nationals' previous spot starter, Correct. and Yuzmir Petit, who can do a save, who can come in for one inning, can come in for two batters, can come in for five innings. So I think n- not a spot starter a spot starter is not important, but I think one guy who could do any role is important. Yeah, a rubber arm like, kind of guy. A rubber arm guy. That's exactly what I was what I was thinking of and thanks for calling out the word. Craig and, and the example I was gonna use was Craig Stannon. Yeah. I mean that he was the ultimate like, yep, he can come in and has a pretty nasty slider and can throw ninety three miles an hour. But he could also throw four innings if you need to. Um, and you don't have a lot of those guys. And then I think back on guys who were capable of doing that in, in Nationals lore and fairly recent history. Like, Tom Gorzolani was kind of that guy. Um, he was not all that awesome at it. Um, he actually turned out to be uh, a little bit better at the not, not long relief stuff than the long relief stuff. Um, but I think a guy like Petit is actually super important to, to have on a team. But not... Not just for his ability to spot start, but basically for at any point that that uh, Mike Maddox or can call down and be like, "Hey, Petit's going to pitch," and it doesn't matter what the scenario is, and he could just do it. Yep. So I think that's super important. Well, anything else before we? Uh, it's a, it's it's a bit of a shorter episode, but I'm uh, dealing with a little bit of a raspy throat, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, listening. So, anything else you want to hit before we wrap up? Oh. Not necessarily. No, I'm uh, I'm excited for the game tonight. I'm going to try and stay up, and hopefully, I can make it till midnight. And yeah, we'll see. So, the one thing I am going to say, uh, I had a question that I wrote down, uh, my own question that I didn't talk to you about beforehand. Uh oh. Uh, pitching rank the pitching rotation currently in order from best to worst. Wow. Yes. It's a tough one. Uh, Scherzer, Strasburg. Okay. Ross. Yeah. Wow. Roark, Geo. Okay. We're going to differ for once. You got Um, Roark, then Ross. I've got Strasburg, Scherzer. Okay. Roark, Ross, Geo. Okay. So we flipped one and two, three and four. Roark, I think his inconsistencies have bothered me. Yeah. The inconsistencies are tough, but his ability to actually go deep make a difference for me because Joe Ross has, t- has some trouble doing that. Yeah, that's uh, fair. So that, that uh, was the, the difference for me. It just felt like a more of a, a real starting role. And I, I like it about Roark with, you know, he has gotten deeper into games, is pitching well, is really locating pitches well. And now that he's a full-time starter, you're really seeing what you saw in 2014 when he was a full-time starter. I mean, yeah, that's true. He's got, he's, he's been able to kind of harken back to that ability after, being used properly for his talents. And I was never one of the big uh, Roark guys, but I've certainly come around on it. 
Yeah, and then uh, with Scherzer over Strasburg, I think Scherzer has shown that on a one-night basis, he can be better than anyone ever. Yes, I I completely agree with that. And, he's and sh- so that puts him at number one for me because you can see greatness personified instead of just really, really, really solid. Yeah, that and, and that's exactly why I went the other way. It, it was the uh, Scherzer every night can be historically good, but Strasburg is just good every night. That's fair. Every night he's good. Um, now, every night is he great or at his best? No, but every night he's going to give up two or three runs and pitch six innings, like every night, and strike out nine or ten batters. Yeah. Um, so it's the consistently good that puts Strasburg over it for me. Uh, but... I could have easily gone the other way, obviously, but that was... That yeah, was... and then the bullpen is just sad face emojis. Everywhere. Oh, yeah, we can't do that. That's a, that's a whole show in and of itself yeah. of sadness. Um, so, yeah, that's going to do it, I think, unless you have anything else, Craig. I got nothing, buddy. All right, well, we're going to play you off here, but uh, if you are listening to the live stream, we will talk a little bit longer uh, after we're done. But otherwise, thanks for listening to the... Oh, gosh, I forget what... The, the word is again already. Quesquicentennial. Episode of Nats Talk on the go, and we will talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening to Nats Talk on the go. For more information, check us out at natstalkonthego.com. To become a supporting member of the podcast, click on the special ops link at the top of the page, or head right to natstalkonthego.com slash special ops. You can contact the guys at Nats Talk on the Go on Twitter or send them an email at podcast at natstalkonthego.com. If you like what you heard, take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Let's go Nats!